Good afternoon, Rabosei. Uh, today we are going to review many of the shiurim from the Spring 2019 Contemporary Halacha series for Smith students at YU. We are not going to finish all of the shiurim, but we'll do uh, as many as we can get through. We'll talk about the order that we'll do uh, as we go, see which ones we want. One thing that I want to just clarify, the goal that I want to do today is besides going over the materials also that sometimes when uh, the material is presented, you don't realize what is a unit. So I'm going to break it down into, you know, this is one point, that's the next point, these six things are part of the next point. Uh, hopefully that will just give you a mental structure to work with. So let's start with Rabbi Willigshir on contraception and family planning. And the first part is a chakira whether the mitzvah of Puravu is a maisabia or is the totzah of having children. So the Menchus Chinuch says that the, the mitzvah of Puravu is the, is the birth, is the totzah, is the birth, and not the actual maisabia. So where does that come from? Then it manifests itself with about four nafka, three or four nafkaminas, where each one, the Menchus Chinuch will say one thing and Rabbi Willig will suggest otherwise, as we'll see in a moment. So first of all, the the uh, Tosfos and Bava talks about Lisa Shifcha Eino Yachol. If a person is now is it is not if a Yitzchatzi Yisrael is not able to marry a Shifcha, Tosfos asks why let it be an Asei Dochelosase. Let the Asei of Provu be Dochelosase of marrying a Shifcha. And Tosfos says no because the Asei is a is the Gemarbia and the Losase is the Hara. The Minchas Chinuch asks a very simple question. What do you mean? But the assay is not at the Kamarbiya. The assay is much later than the Kamarbiya when the baby's actually born. That's when you fulfill the assay of Puru. So Rabbi Willow points out, you see the Tosis doesn't hold like that. You see the Tosis holds that the Bia is the mitzvah, even though there's no birth. So you see that the Maisa Bia is the mitzvah of Puru, as opposed to Mechaz Chinuf, who's assuming that the birth, nine months later, is the mitzvah. So the Mechaz Chinuf and Rabbi Willow. So. Well, uh, yeah, we're going to hold questions for this class because otherwise we're not going to be able to move. Uh, to move. Uh, there's another area where you see this this chakira, this machlokas, is the fact that you could fulfill puravu with children born before gerus. Now, the Menchus says, you see that the the mitzvah is to have children because after all, the maizabi was performed while he was a guy. You can't perform perform mitzvah while you're a guy, so you fulfilled your mitzvah because you're you're, you're when you were a guyer, you have Jewish children. I'm sorry, not your You have children. So you see that the Bia is, not the, is only a Heksher, and the Mitzvah is really having the children. And we will said, no, you don't have a ride from that, because it's not that your Yotze, the Mitzvah of Puravu, with those children. It's that once you have children who are alive, there's no longer a Chiv to have children. So in other words, you don't, you're not Mekayim, you don't get brownie points, you're not Mekayim a Mitzvah of Puravu, but you are not obligated to go ahead and be, be uh, Nishayev, the obligation was already fulfilled, um, even though the, again, the bia, which is the mitzvah, is before he is a guy, and there's no mitzvah, so you're right, you're not, you know, you're in Mekai, the mitzvah, you don't get schar, but you don't have the obligation anymore, that's how we will, it looks at the, uh, this rai. Another rai where you see the same point, is the fact that if a child is born, or a mamzer, we know the Gemara says that you fulfill purifu. The obvious question is, but what do you mean, that should be a mitzvah baba veira, because the, uh, the Maisabiya was Be'iser. So Menchaz Chinuch says, yeah, you see a riot to our point, says Menchaz Chinuch, that the Mitzvah is not the Maisabiya, but rather the Mitzvah is having the children. There's no Iser in having children. It's just the Maisabiya that was us. So you have a riot, says Menchaz Chinuch, that, it's, uh, that the B was only a Hechshah Mitzvah. So we don't say Mitzvah, but for a Hechshah Mitzvah. 
Rabbi Willock says, no, on the other hand, the Bia is actually the, uh, the mitzvah, and the, the reason why you fulfill Puravu, it's not that you actually fulfilled Puravu, you didn't fulfill the Asaya Puravu, it's just that since you actually ed- end up having children, you no longer have a Chiyav to bear children. Finally, the fourth application of this Chakiru, this Machlokas, is the question of, the Gemara talks about Notzra Ba'ambati, Avivhu L'chol Davar, is the Lashon of the Beis Shmuel. So the Beis Shmuel says, seems to understand that you were L'chol Davar, meaning even to fulfill the, the dinner Puravu. So Mechaz Chinuch says, ah, you see, from the fact that uh, you're Mekayim Puravu, even though there was no Maisabiya, you see that the Mitzvah is not the Maisabiya. There was no Maisabiya, but he just had it, but he had children, so it's having the children that's the Mitzvah. And Rebbe said, no, 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 again, same point as we said three times already, the mitzvah is the Maisabiyah, and there's no Maisabiyah by Notzer Bambati, but it's just telling us that of L'chol Dover, meaning he doesn't have a chiv to do Puravu afterwards, but not that he actually had a say, not that he actually fulfilled, uh, gets brownie points for the Maisabiyah that he has. Okay, so that's the first section. The next section is the following. Puravu is only fulfilled if zaro miyuchas acharav. That means that I'll give you just a few examples, four examples, where a person could have a child, but since the child is not miyuchas acharav, so even though he has a child, he will not be in fulfillment of Purifu. Let's say you have a guy who marries a Yisraelis. The children are Jewish. But the guy who had, who's the father, even if he's Megayah later on, those children were not going to be miyuchas acharav. And therefore, even though he's Jewish, later on. And he has two children who are biologically who are Jewish. He will not fulfill the mitzvah because they were not miyuchas acharav. Similarly, if a guy has uh, kids with a shifcha, and then the guy is megayer also, the father of a of shifcha, of avadim, also they're not miyuchas acharav. Similarly, if a Jew has children with a shifcha, so those children are not Jewish, and therefore, again, they are not miyuchas acharav. And here's the, this is the kicker, though. If, uh, according to what we're saying, if IVF is done, that means you take an egg donor from, from the Rov HaOlam, from the uh, Rov of non-Jews, which is what's often done, non-Jewish egg donor. So according to the Poskim who say, and many Poskim assume, I think everybody uh, will, does assume this, that we follow the egg donor, and therefore if the egg donor is not Jewish, the child is not Jewish. So if the child is not Jewish, that means you have a couple who the husband is married to a Jewish woman, she, got her, she, couldn't have, she doesn't have good eggs, so she got eggs from somebody from the egg bank. Those children who follow their biological egg donor mother are not miyuchas acharav, because the same as though the father is with, uh, had children with the shikhs, and therefore the father will not fulf- have fulfilled thereby the mitzvah puravu. However, Rabbi Willard points out, there might not be Puravu per se, but there still would be a Kiyum of Sheves, which itself is also considered a Mitzvah Rabbah. So that will, uh, that, that, that's, uh, some sort of, that's a consolation prize. Now, let's talk about the next point. What happens if there's a, uh, there are no children? So another Gemara says that if there are no children, ain't no Rosh Libatel after 10 years, and you have to get divorced and take a new wife. Um, nowadays, why don't we push that you know, I want to tell people you, you're married 10 years and uh, you, you should get divorced and take another wife. So Willig has the following cheshman. Based on a Meshachach, Meshachach asks, why is it that only women were obligated to prove it? Why not men? So maybe Meshachach has two answers. One, because since 
childbirth is associated with some level of danger, HaKadosh Baruch wouldn't be mitzave a person to put themselves in danger. That's one answer. Another answer that Meshachach says is because if a woman was chayavas and she couldn't have, uh, and she wasn't able to have children, she'd have to get divorced from her husband to get a different husband to have children. And that would break up the marriage. Masha'enikin, a husband, if a husband's chayav, a man is chayav, so he has one wife, can't have children, what should he do? What could he do? Very simply take a second wife when a woman doesn't have that opportunity. So that's why it says Meshachachma, only men are mechuyam, because they could, even if they can't, the Torah doesn't want to, you know, break up a marriage just to have children, so therefore, a man who could take a second wife doesn't have, will, will have a mitzvah puravu, because he could just take a second wife. Says Ravu, according to this, um, in the same way that a the Meshachachma said that a woman can't take a second husband. Well, nowadays that we have Cheir Rabbeinu Gershom, a man is in the same position. A man cannot take a second wife. And therefore he is stuck. And therefore if he's stuck, we're not going to require him to have the mitzvah of Puravu. He'll be chayav to divorce her, to do Puravu, uh, if it means having to get rid of his wife. That's that point. Let's go to another point. The next point is the issue, not of Puravu, but of the Rabbanan Dikadin of Sheves, or L'Erev Al-Tanach Yedech, or both Pesukim, in Nach. If a person has one child, even though there's no Puravu, there's still Kim of Sheves, and there's no need to divorce a person's wife. Now, the Ramban explains this halacha of Sheves, and explains that Sheves, even though it's a Pasuk, it sounds like a Chiyuv, Midivrei Sofrim, it's not an actual Chiyuv. It's Ke'en Yishuv Derech Eretz. It's like a nice idea, it's a right thing to do, but it's not an absolute bona fide Chiyuv. With that, we can understand a Rambam. The Rambam says that a husband and wife has to be together, Bechol Ona, until they have a boy and a girl to be fulfilled in the of Puravu, but afterwards, she could be Machalas. The question is, all the posts can ask at the very beginning of the Evan Hazar, how could a Ramam say that after they have a boy and a girl, they fulfilled Puravu, why could she be Mochalas? After all, the husband still has a Chiyuv of Sheves. He still has a Chiyuv me Midivrei Sofrim to continue having children, even later. So, according to what we're saying, um, one answer could be this idea that it's not an absolute obligation, it's just a, uh, an Indian to have, it's not a Chiyuv Gamer, it's an Indian to have children, and based on this Ramban that we're saying. And therefore, it's uh, able, it's possible for a woman to be mochelas once she, to, I'm sorry, it's possible for the husband to be mochel, the dinner of Sheves, or of La'arev Ta'al in order that he doesn't uh, have to have more children, if he wants to be mochel. Other answers that are given, how the Ramam could allow them not to, uh, you know, the husband to be mochel is, not that he's allowed to be mochel forever, but once you have two children, once you have puravu, then you're allowed to have, uh, then, then you could skip onas, but you're not allowed to say, I'm never going to have children anymore, according to this answer. You could just say, I'm going to skip a few, an ona here or there. Okay. Next, let's go to the next point. The next point is, in terms of family planning, what's a woman's shibud to bear children? Is there a point that a woman could say, I don't want to have any more children? Um, even before she has, before she has uh, Purvo. So, Rabbi Willig has a shtikel Torah based on the Ramah. Ramah says that if a person has a large family and his wife dies and he has to get remarried, 
and he's scared to marry an Isha that's a Bas Banan that could bear more children because he's scared it's going to be fighting. So the Ramah says he's allowed to marry an Isha She'en a Bas Banan, a postmenopausal woman who won't have, uh, who won't bear more children. Even though he's violent, he's not going to be able to fulfill La'erev. So says Rabbi Willig, let's think about this. If he's not yet married, we're allowing him to marry a woman and give up on Sheves. Certainly if a man is married and is going to cause fighting in the house, uh, he should be able to give up on Sheves. So therefore, uh, based on this, at least, uh, at least I think this is at least if there is a uh, proof already fulfilled, but if it's just a question of Sheves and it's going to cause uh, machlokas, then, to avoid machlokas, or we will suggest, you would be able to, uh, you know, uh, hold back from having, uh, having more children if he so wishes to uh, not get into fights with his wife. Now, we also have a chasun sofer that says that once a woman has fulfilled puravu, she's allowed to drink a kos shali karin in a case that she has hard pregnancies and she would be a bit sour, because even though it's a chiyuv of Sheves, but she doesn't have to undergo the tsar. She has a unique situation of tsar, a unique tsar in her pregnancies. She would not require him to fulfill Sheves. Similarly, Moshe has in Chuvis that if a woman is weaker than average in her pregnancy, then he allows waiting after, even if they didn't fulfill Puravu, and once they did fulfill proof, where Moshe says you could even wait three years, um, and furthermore, if she's sickly, if she's really sickly, and after proof, she could even decide not to have any more kids, because again, similar to the Chasim Sofer, the mitzvah of La'erev does not require a woman to be sicker than normal. In terms of after a... In terms of after proof, I'm sorry, Rabbi Willig has a kula even after one baby. Rabbi Willig says that after one child, you could have a two-year delay. Why? Because the Gemara tells us that in the olden days, they would nurse for two years, and the nursing itself would be a natural contraceptive. So now, even though nursing might not do that, but it was built in to the situation that there should be a two-year delay. So Rabbi Willig quotes a, a Masora from Rav Henkin that after two years, I'm sorry, after two years, uh, after having uh, a baby, even the first child, it would be okay to delay it for those two years. Are you sure two years not long? That is correct. Rabbi Henkin is quoted as saying two years. Ramosha says that there's no such heter in Lita, and therefore you're only allowed, uh, there's no such heter, and uh, that, uh, you know, but they would even then, the, the, the chassidish would say one year would be okay, but Rav Henkin is quoted, and Rabbi Willig does go with that, that after at least after the first child, even though there's not yet approval, you could wait two years. That's what Rav Henkin, that's what Rabbi Willig quotes from Rav Henkin. As far as the different ways to, when there is a heter to not continue to have children, uh, to use some kind of contraception, so there are different types. There's an intrauterine device, an IUD, that's mutter, even if it's a Mirena IUD, which has a certain chemical that prevents uh, nidus. Spermicide is also okay because the uh, the, the zera go is not going all eitz and vavanim. Uh, pill, of course, is the best situation, but oftentimes uh, there are spotting issues, dating issues, hormonal issues that doesn't work for everybody. Uh, a condom, of course, would be the worst violation because that would be matil uh, as a zera eitz and vavanim. 
Um, in situations, as Rabbanim, this you don't have to write down for your notes, but as Rabbanim, there are sometimes pikuach nefesh situations when zika was a big thing. There was discussion of using a condom in very specific situations. There's an achiezer who permits the b'shasat chagodol, b'shasat nefesh type of situations. There is, you know, this achiezer uh, to rely on b'shasat chagodol and pikuach nefesh emergency situations where even a condom might be sometimes usable. Um, finally, a diaphragm, the chazanish, did permit the use of a diaphragm as a contraceptive. Fine. Next point. In terms of a person saying, right when they get married, that I'm not ready to have children yet because I have to um, finish, uh, finish smicha, finish medical school, she has to finish medical school, she has to finish whatever. Um, so Rabbi Willock has three arguments, besides philosophically, with three arguments in halacha, why that is not an okay situation to avoid children at the beginning of marriage. Number one, the Ramah says, Lo yisaktana. So if the Lo yisaktana is an Isser, so if you marry somebody and she's not able to have birth, not because she's a Ketana, but because she chooses to be a Ketana, well, what do you mean? Why, what's the problem with marrying a Ketana? She'll, she'll be able to give birth in two or three years. So you see that <clears throat> even if the person will be in two or three years, but right now it's a problem at the, at the, when you get married. Second line, the Shulchan Aruch, first line of the Shulchan Aruch and Ebenezer says, Chayv li'isha k'day lefros v'lirbos. The point of getting married is k'day lefros v'lirbos. Finally, the Ram says, mitzvah livo b'chol ona v'ona, until approval is fulfilled. So again, that's the chiyav, to continue doing the ma'isabiyah, uh, till a person has children. <clears throat> to finish off, Okay, let's stop now. So that's the end of this year. Let's go to Rabbi, Will, Rabbi Shatter's year on Tina Demachus Adina and Masira. <clears throat> the first point that we have to realize is that although we say Dina Demachus Adina, that doesn't mean that the government could, could be a bandit. The, the government can't do Gazlanusr, Hamsanusr Demachus. So in the olden days, when the governments would just try to steal and uh, milk. Uh, specifically Jews or whoever other minorities that they just, whoever they could get out, that might be Gazlanusa to Machuzam be unfair, but that scenario is less prevalent or is not prevalent in any democratic society. So what's the source for Dina de Machusadira? So we have a Kamara in Sanhedrin that talks about uh, all the Zechuyos uh, that a Melech has and the Gemara, the Shulchanar Paskin Shmuel who says that a Melech and the government, therefore, would have a right to levy a tax. Um, now, there is a well-known Ran in Nadarim who say that there are no that you don't have to pay taxes in Eretz Israel because <coughs> the right of taxation is the Melech's right to charge rent on his land, and every Jew has the right to live in Eretz Israel. So, therefore, nobody, no government could charge a, a, a rental fee for Eretz Israel. The problem is that a it's not even brought as a Yesh Omer in the Shulchan Aruch, and b the Shulchan Aruch doesn't pass like that because the Shulchan Aruch passes like Shmuel who says that B'nai Yisrael were uh, allowed to be taxed even, even, uh, even though they were in Eretz Yisrael. So you see that even in Eretz Yisrael, taxing is okay. Now, what is the nature of Dinah Tumachus So it's Machlokas, or Dinah Tumachus Adina, is the Rabbanon or But even within the, let's go back, I'm sorry, back to taxes, Rabbi Shechter's position on taxes in general which uh, I, I don't know if it's, I, I think it's Rabbi Schechter's, I don't think it's a universal opinion of how to view taxes, but Rabbi Schechter's view of taxes is that taxes is not 
the same sugya that it was in all of history as far as being mafkia, the chov of a guy. Rather, Rabbi Shechter understands taxes to be from a different sugya, not even a sugya of Dino de Machus Adina, but rather from the sugya of Hilfa Shutfin. Because the halakha is that if you have Shutfin in any area and they have a, they're joined together, even if they never make a formal agreement, if different people live in a certain area and they agree on a certain, uh, and rob of them agree, don't need all of them to agree, they agree on a certain uh, expenditure, then all individuals in that shutfas are required that could be forced to follow that decision of the rove. And therefore, if you have a government, either a federal government, a, national, a state government, or a local government, that you live in their domicile, and they, based on rove, based on their elected officials, decide that this should be the taxes, so they are your shutfas, and they decide that our shutfas wants to educate children, wants to build a hospital, wants to fill, build roads, wants to have a police department. So even if you feel that you don't like the way the police department is working in your neighborhood, or you feel that you want to send your kids to a yeshiva, you'd be, that the fact that you're, you, the me, want that, that doesn't really matter, since you're part of the shutfas of you and the, of all the shutfas in this uh, a domicile, either the state, the city, or the uh, country, you would have a chiv and hilchas shutfin to do as the shutfus has decided al pirov. And therefore, Rishat assumes that all the discussion and all the post for all the generations of what the halach of taxes are doesn't apply in democratic situations. Now, let's talk about Dina Damachus as far as the parameters thereof. So, what, what does Dina Damachus allow you to do? So, first of all, Dina Damachus allows the definition of money. Meaning the government decides this is considered legal tender, and that's important because you need it for pidyon meiser sheni. It has to be. Uh, it has to have a din of of of, of, uh, of a currency. It's an afkamin and hilchas ribis in terms of pera and tiva. For those who learn uh, fourth parak of bav uh, metzia, when do we not use dina? Oh, I'm sorry, dina demachus dina also is only used when it's between an interaction between a Jew and a guy. If there's an interaction between two Jews, then of course we have to follow the Torah. If it's between two guys, they'll do whatever they do. But the only time that we have the din of din of is when we have an interaction with a guy. And therefore, by definition, whenever you have a Shailah Hilchus Yerusha, where the two parties by definition are both Jews, so din of Dina will never apply. Similarly, whenever you have an Isser, something that's involved like Ribis, Ona, anything that's a Yoradeh, a Yoradeh, then we will not apply the dinim of din of Dina. Rabbi, there are some scenarios where we do apply Dina Demachus Adina even by two Jews. Let's talk about that topic for a moment. When, what scenarios do we, yes, apply Dina Demachus Adina even between two Jews? So Hekin pointed out that those Dinim Demachusa that were established with Tikkun HaMedina, there the government established to take care of both Jews and non Jews alike, so there there would be a, an application to even if there's interaction between two Jews. That would include bankruptcy, for example. That would include rent control. So therefore, even though theoretically, again, this is a much longer study, but theoretically, if a Jew owes money and has a dechiv d'oraisa to repay it, they can theoretically, under certain circumstances, avail themselves to the bankruptcy law of America, which will basically be mafkir, dechiv d'oraisa, to pay back their loan. Um, but again, it's more complicated, but just uh, in one uh, short fell swoop. Another area besides the Tikkun HaMedina issue, where we could apply Dina Demachus Adina between two Jews, is the Shach who says that if there's no, if Halacha doesn't discuss the issue, then you could just use 
as a default, Dina de Machus Dina. The Chazanish takes issue on this shah, say, arguing that there's no such thing as a halacha that doesn't, that isn't, that as a shayla that isn't in Mominus, that isn't addressed by halacha. So every shayla on some level, either by, the, by its uh, discussion or by its omission from the Shulchan Arach, there's a, you see what the Shulchan Arach holds, and therefore there's no such case. A third and final case that you have an exception, where even by two Jews you could apply Dina Demachus is let's say you have a store or a business, and your clientele is both Jews and non-Jews. If you have a store on, uh, you know, somewhere in Flatbush, somewhere in Washington Heights, and you have clientele who are Jewish and non-Jewish, so let's say you have a return policy. You can't say, oh, the Dina Demachus requires us to have this return policy, but since you're a Jew, you're going to be bound by halacha, because every client... You're going to have to sort of evaluate separately. Are you Jewish or not Jewish? Oh, you have these set of rules. You have that set of rules. In such a situation, then we assume that the umdana is that you're going to follow what the Dina uh, Tabachus Adina is or what the, what the uh, practice in general, what the Minakam Adina is in that situation because uh, I should have said it differently. I should have prevented, in your notes, you could say the third category instead of saying that if you have Jew, Jews and non-Jews as businesses, you could say the third category is if there is a umdana or a minig hamadina. One example of an umdana or a minig hamadina, for example, uh, let's say working nine to five. You hire a Jew. So in America, they're only going to have to work from nine to five unless you stipulate otherwise. Oh, but according to Allah, they have to work till it gets dark outside. No, because in America, the minig hamadina is, the umdana is that it's nine to five. Another example of this general category of Umdana or Minna would be if you have both Jewish and non-Jewish clients and you're going to have to have different return policies for them. So then the Umdana or the Minna would be you. It says, though, Ke'ilu Hismim, and you could follow whatever the normal practice is in that regard. Let's now switch away from Dina Demachos and talk about the topic of Mesira. So we know that based in Ismaq and V'on Shalom and Hadin, Ran says that that's not only limited to base, and that applies even to a non-Jewish government. That means that a non-Jewish government is allowed to punish more than is really deserving. So, for example, China wants to have a policy that a drug dealer should be put to death. They have the right to do that. Uh, we have an interesting Gemara in Vav Metziah, where Rebullah, 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 right? we're talking about Lagba Omer today, so Rebullah, Rebullah, Shimon, who just came out of the Ma'ara today, Rebullah, Rebullah, Shimon, was hired by the Roman government to find Jewish criminals, and even though the Roman government was actually interested in killing those Jewish criminals. And he meets up with Elio, who says, what are you doing? And Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon responds to Elio, Navi, I'm being revired, Kotsim and Hakam, getting rid of the bad Jews. And he said, uh, you shouldn't be doing that. It's not a nice thing for a good Jewish boy to do. So the Rishonim learned from that, that's not Aser, it's just not a nice thing for a Jewish boy and, boy and girl to do. So that means, according to this, it's not usher to, it is not considered the Isra of Mesira to turn over a Jew if that's what the government, uh, if they violated that which the government ordered. Now, there is one caveat, and that is that it has to be that the Jew violated something that is usher according to halacha. So if a Jew stole, a Jew did something that's usher, then you could turn them over to the government even if the government's punishment is not something that really meets the crime. It doesn't have to be the Jewish punishment. Even the Gaim have their own punishment that does not meet the crime, that's worse than the crime, it is still permitted to give the Jew over. I had this child last week, not so dramatic, but a guy in a uh, 
who's on the board of a co-op in Miami. He has, uh, he's on the board of the co-op, and they have an agreement that anyone who rents out their apartment to... Uh, actually, I can't say. Uh, an, an understanding that people in a co-op, could, you could turn Jew, Jew, fellow Jews into the co-op board if they do something wrong. Uh, we'll leave it at that. And that's okay, because if there are rules, then you have to follow the rules. Uh, it's not considered a violation of Mesira to turn the person in as long as, ah, and here we have a limitation, as long as the person won't be punished more than the government's law. So for example, let's say the government says if you steal a Hershey bar, you get five years in jail. So you're allowed to turn in a fellow Jew and he'll get five years in jail. But if the anti-Semitic judge is going to give him six years and that's more than the maximal term, then you have no right to turn him in. Or for example, Let's say he's going to get thrown into jail, and in jail they like picking on you know, guys wearing yarmulkes, and he's going to be beaten up. So that's not in the law. The law is that he could go to jail for five years for stealing a Hershey bar, but not to get beaten up. There, you'd get the punishment is more than what the secular law allows. Then you would not be allowed to. That would be a violation that we call misira. Another scenario where, which is permitted, but, and therefore not the violation of misira, is if there would be a Chil Hashem, the Jew doesn't testify. So for example, if, uh, if there's a subpoena, and they subpoena a Jew, and he says, no, I can't, my Orthodox religion doesn't allow me to testify. That would be a Chil Hashem. So there, the Be'er Hagra explains, just like by Aveda Sakum, where there's no mitzvah return, but if there's a Chil Hashem, then you do return it. So too, in this situation, you would be able to testify, even against another Jew. And so, therefore, Ramosha says, you could work for the IRS and turn in other Jews who aren't paying their taxes. But again, it's not a job for a nice Jewish boy. Two other scenarios where we'll permit even Mesira Ha'asura, meaning even if it's worse than what the person deserves from the government, and there would be an Israel Mesira, there are even two scenarios that that would be permitted. And that is somebody is made Zeres Harabim, causes trouble, like a pedophile, a ganav, an abuse, somebody who's abusive, or a con artist. So there that is somebody that even if he will be punished, let's say they're pedophiles, and when they, if they go to jail, the, the jail inmates really uh, you know, beat them up. So there, you would be able to turn a pedophile in, even though they will get more, let's say the pedophile gets 10 years, the maximum is 10 years in prison, 20 years in prison. But when they go to prison, they're also going to get beaten up, and that's more than what's written in the law. Nevertheless, from Eitzvah Sarabim, and therefore, I'm sorry, since it would be more than what the law states, it would be an Isra of Mesira, Nevertheless, the Isr Mesira is suspended for somebody who is in this category of Meitzer Sarabim, or somebody is Maka Es Chavera. Meitzer Es Harabim, who causes Tsaris to the Rabbim. Okay, that's that shit. Now, uh, we'll talk about... We'll talk about women... We'll talk about Cholomoed. Okay, so Hilchus Cholomoed... Uh, that's Rabbi Adler's Shir and Hilfus Cholamoid. So, of course, the Mishnah says, Hamavaza es Hamoados, Elochilak, Lolam Haba. And the Rishonim explain that Mavaza es Hamoados is somebody who, Rashi says, that if you don't eat properly and drink properly, um, I thought somebody says talks about clothing also. Yeah, okay, so it also means you have to dress nicely, you have to eat better food. Now, the qu- first question we- that we have to discuss in Hilchas Chalamoid is, is, is the Isra Malacha on Chalamoid an Isra Daraisa or Daravana? So bottom line is that the Be'er Halacha quotes a, very, a, sem- a pretty similar number, about 12 Rishonim on each side, 
something like that. But let's go through some of the sources. The Tosas and Chagiga, Gemara Chagiga, quotes five different drushos, five different psukim to prove that there's an Isra Malacha on Cholomoid. The fact that they're all psukim, or Svar Doraisa, like Kavachomers, sound like it's going to be an Isra Doraisa. So, for example, Eschaka Matzos Tishmor Shavas Yomim. That's talking about being Shomer Yomte for uh, all seven days. Kavachomer uh, that says if the beginning and the end of Yantav is Asa, certainly the middle is Asa, Kavachomer is also Sura Doraisa. So again, you have seven days of not doing malacha. Um, other proofs from the Pesukim, so it sounds like it might be Doraisa. However, Tosa says that every last one of those drashas is going to be an Asmachta, and Tosa has three proofs. Number one, the fact that we know that the difference between Yantif and Chalamoy, that you only get four aliyahs on Chalamoy instead of five aliyahs on Yantif, is because of the difference in their level. If there was an Isra Malach it would be the same level. You should have five aliyahs on Chalamoy. Secondly, the fact that you have exceptions to Hilchis Chalamoy, to the Malach, like Dabr HaAved, where do we care about Hefzid when it comes to Doraisis? That itself shows that it's only Asad Rabbanan. And this is the clincher. The Yushalmi's Lashon is Klum Asru Melacha, the Lash of Asu sounds like it's they, Chazal, Asr Malacha. Now, if it is indeed Doraisa, like those many Rishon who do assume that Malacha is Doraisa, then why is it that you do have all these dispensations, as we'll talk about soon, for Tzorach Yantif, for Dabra Aved, Hefset, Tzorach Rabin, these things smack of Drabanan, Chilukim. So the answer to that is that even if you hold it to Doraisa, it would still be Master and Hakasa Lachachamim. Chachamim still were given the, the, the power to define the nature of the day as being a day that's supposed to be focused on Hanah, and Achila, and Simcha, and Tamat Torah. And they said, whatever will distract you from that will indeed be that which the Torah asked me to Doraisa. But they had the latitude to decide what is fitting the Simcha nature of the day. And therefore, for example, if something is a uh, it's Sarach Yantif, or something is Dabr HaAve, and you're going to be unhappy if you can't do it, so they feel that that does fit into what Cholmite should be. Now, the obvious nafkamin is if Malach is Doraisa Dabr is first of all, if you apply Shrus to Shrus Mitzvah. Number two, if you have Safik Malacha, could you be Mekel? And thirdly, we're not going to go into this, even though I'm preparing my uh, son's Bar Mitzvah speech on this topic, is Tefillin on Cholmite. If you assume that Malacha is Asa Doraisa, then it could be that it has a din of an os. Cholmite has an os, and if Cholmite has an os, it doesn't need the os of Tfilin. Tosis, however, argues and says no, that uh, Tosis argues and says no, you can't bring Raya from Malacha because maybe even if the Isra Malacha is only Drabana, there's no os from that. Maybe there's still an os because Yamtif, Cholmite has a mitzvah of Isra, Chilus a mitzvah of Yeshira Sukkah. Maybe that's the os. And therefore, Cholomay might still have a nose and still potentially could pat you from Tefillah. Okay, let's talk about the things that are permitted on Cholomayid. And we'll list uh, four things. Dabr HaAved, Tzorach Moed, Pol She'elam HaYochal, and Tzorach HaRabim. And now we'll talk about them uh, one at a time. I'm sorry, right before this, you should put it in your notes, before we talk about actually the different times when we permit malachas, there's a question of tircha, meaning, what happens if you're going to do something that's a tircha, which is not a violation of malacha at all? I have this Shiloh also. Somebody wanted to move furniture on Cholomoy, this past Yantif. 
So even if we say there's no Isra Malacha, or we could permit the Isra Malacha for whatever technical reason, there still will be an Isra of Tircha, you're not allowed to move, it's unfortunate in Shulchan Aruch, you're not allowed to move apartments or houses on Chalmud, even if there's no Malacha involved. Because the Tircha, again, the whole point is, if we're saying that the point of Yantav is the Simcha, then even though you're not violating Malacha Shabbat, but you're breaking the whole Yisod of the Chalmud, which is to be the Simcha and Panoi, to be able to learn Torah. Um, so now we could talk about the... Oh, and by the way, before I go on, that question of Tircha, even though there's no Malacha, could have an inverse. What happens if you have a Malacha that doesn't have any Tircha at all, like flipping on a switch, flipping off a switch when you leave the bathroom, turning off the light? So there's no Tzorach Yantif. With your LEDs, it doesn't really have a Hefzit involved. So is there any Heter? There's, there's no, you're violating a Malacha. But on the other hand, there's no Tircha involved. So this is a question that the Achronim deal with. Is there, I think there's a, there's a Chazanish, I think it's Machmir, that uh, if it's even if there's no tircha, but if it has a din malacha, it's aser to do on chalmoy. So according to the chaznish, I believe you'd have to empty your pockets. If you have a tissue in your pocket, you're going out of the eruv. You have to empty your pocket, or you have to make sure you don't turn off the bathroom light if you have LEDs. According to the chaznish. Okay, let's now talk about. Oh, again, uh, important to know the muktzah and gzeras do not apply in chalmoy. Fine, now let's talk about the four the, the different categories. So number one, Tzorach HaMoed. Tzorach HaMoed is mutter to do, but only mutter to do a Maise Hediot, which means anything that's a Maise Uman is not permitted to Tzorach HaMoed. So for example, if you want to go to Hershey Park and you're a carburetor and, and you get a flat tire, well, that's a, that's a Maisa Hadiot. You can. I hope you all know how to train a flat tire. It's a good thing to know. That's a Maisa Hadiot. And you can do it to get to Hershey Park. If, on the other, your carburetor breaks. We don't have carburetors nowadays, I think. If your transmission goes, you want to have the transmission fixed. Well, even if you take it to a guy to fix it, neither you nor the guy mechanic could fix it to enable you to go to Hershey Park because that would be a Tzorach Moed, yes, but it's a Maisa Umar, which is not permitted for Tzorach Moed. This shaila came up to me on Yant Achalamoid, and somebody, one of the Babalabatim, when I told him this, said, But wait, but if I'm going to have to rent a car, then it's not going to be Tzarach Hamoid and Maisamun of Tzarach Hamoid. You have a different hatter of Dabar Ha'avid. And I said, Taka, that's a good point. So if the other option is that you're going to have to rent a car, then you might be able to, uh, yes, do the. the Maisa uh, Uman, but not because of the, not using the hatter of Tzarach Yantif. But rather using the hetter of Dabar Ha'avid, because Dabar Ha'avid does not have this limitation. Dabar Ha'avid, you can have, if you have something that's broken, you have a leak that's, that's uh, yeah, guy in my shul, guy in my shul had a leak, uh, a flood on Cholomoid this past two weeks ago. It's funny because they're actually now it's zone and happened. It's not funny, but it, uh, so uh, yes, they could have somebody, the plumber, go in and do a Maisuma to fix it because that's a, not a Dabar, that's not a Tzarek that's a Dabar Ha'avid, and he could do even a Maisuma, yeah. I hear, I hear you. I hear your aura. Good, good point. That's a good, interesting question. So I'm not sure. Uh, there is another exception when we talk about Sarah Hamoid that it's also if it's a Maisu Uman. There is a permissibility for Maisu Uman if it's for Ochal Nefesh. So let's say you should all have this brach. Your wife is a pastry chef. So if your wife is a pastry chef and she makes the most exotic pastries that are really a Maisa Uman, she went to school for three years for this. So that will be mutter because even though it's a Maisa Uman, but since it's the Tzorach Yantav, the Tzorach that will be mutter. Ah, that brings us to a 
new category of the Tzorach HaGuf. What is the parameter of Tzorach HaGuf? There's a mission in Moikotan that extends this Heter Vachel Nefesh that you're allowed to do a Maisuma not only for food, but anything that's for the Guf, meaning even the mission says a woman is allowed to go to the cosmetologist, get her face, you know, get a do-up for her makeup, get her makeup done uh, on Cholam Oed. Um, this, you'll have, you have no idea how many Shilas you'll get on Cholamoid from ladies in your neighborhood asking if, you, if they could get manicures. So the line that I just say, you can't get cut, but you could get a polish. Or you could, get, you could, cut, you could color them, but you can't cut them. Um, so, m- makeup, again, cutting nails is a different issue. So that's the, the issue of cutting nails. But the makeup itself, even if it's a Maisa Uma, that is permitted. Why? Because that's related to the goof. We could take it a step further. Not only is it just food and just you know, makeup for your face, but there are other things that relate to your body. For example, let's say you have 17 people in your house for Yatif, and you have two bathrooms, and one of them gets stuffed up. So theoretically, that should be, uh, that's not okay. It's a Maisa Uma to fix that toilet. However, if you have... Uh, because people have to go to the bathroom. I'm not talking about if there are four people there in the three bathrooms and won't get stuffed up. But if there's a, a need uh, for the goof, or for example, you, the, lock, the lock on your door is broken and you feel unsafe to be in a, in a house that's not locked for a few days. So there we would say that, even though you need locks with it, so with the uman, but it's considered tzorech haguf. When it comes to things that look like a mice woman but aren't really a mice woman, like a you know a a, 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 a nice typed up or a, a, a flyer that you make on on one of these uh, free websites, you don't have not a professional you know uh, graphic designer, but a flyer that you could put together whatever one of these free flyer web Canva or something like that. So it looks it looks professional, but the one who's did it is not a professional. So that's going to be machlokas that was in the time of Polaroid cameras. Ramosha said, since anyone could take a top Polaroid picture, so it's going to be mutter. Yab Kamenesky says, when, you, when it comes out, it's a professional-looking picture. It looks like a painting, whatever it is. It looks professional the way the result is, and therefore, it's a mice woman. So that would be the same issue in terms of uh, pressing the print button. Even if you have to type on Cholomite for whatever you're typing, because you need to type for a, a, a paper that's coming due right after, pay, right after I'm sorry, Sukkot or Yar Pesach, so you're allowed to type, let's say, because uh, you need to, but you shouldn't print it out. Because printing it out would be this, uh, according to Ryaka, would be a problem. Let's talk about appointments, doctor, dentist appointments. So here, Ramosha says that you're not allowed to go for a routine checkup. There are others who say, there are others, Rishayimberg, Yashu, who say that since the Shulchan Aruch allows you to take medicine, there's no xeris, there's so therefore, you're allowed to do medical things and even go for checkups to doctors, dentists. Uh, this I had this child last year. Somebody who uh, goes to a certain place where they have a dentist that they like to use for yontif. And they always go there for yontif. So they wanted to make the dental appointments. So I told them if they should avoid, they should try to avoid going to the dentist for, uh, if there's no, obviously, if there's no, if there's no pain, there's no dental issues, just for checkup, they should try to avoid it. If there is a pain, then of course, everyone would permit it. If there is pain, yes, it would be Tzorach HaGov. If there's no pain, there's no need, I don't know if that would be Tzorach HaGov. Let's talk about Dabra Avi. Dabra Avi, we mentioned, is mutter, even if it's a Maisa Uman. However, there are two limitations. It can't be an excessive Tircha, and also, you can't be Mechavi Malach to Lamoid. People think, I'm going to be off 
I have to take care of something at some point. If I don't take care of it, like I have my, my I, I have to take care of my car has to be fixed at some point. So let me send it in on Cholomoy, when anyway, I'm not going to be using it as much. Or something else has to be done on Cholomoy to avoid, uh, at some point to avoid a hefzah. So let me do it on Cholomoy. No, you can't do it. That's Mechavim Lachta Lomoid, and going to be Aser. Another Aser, besides the Malachas that we've talked about, is business. There's a separate Aser Prakmati, even if it's not a Malacha. And that's, even when we have a heter of um, for things, selling things like food and the like, you should still it should still be done b'tzina. So if you have a grocery store that you're allowed to open on Cholamai, you should still open it. You know, there should be the door should be half closed. Some poskim say that if you have regular customers and you'll close all eight days, they're going to go to the competition. So that could be double ha'aved. Next point, the other, the last had to for melachas Cholamai is tzorchei rabim. Tzorchei Rabin, there's an interesting svara. Why is Taka Tzorchei Rabin Motus? The Rabin has a very interesting svara that if we don't plan our communal needs for a day when people are off, the communal needs will never get taken care of. If they're on a Tuesday in the middle of you know, a work week, no one's going to do the communal needs. So if we specifically arrange that they're going to be done on Cholmoyed, then people are home from work. They'll be able to take care of the communal needs. That's the svara that we permit Tzorchei Rabin. It's sort of like a... It's not that Tzorchei Rabin Motus, but Etzim. It's that... It ha- if we don't make it mutter, they're never going to get done. Interesting svar. Now, there is a limitation to Tzorchei Ram, because Tzorchei Ram are also only things that relate to Tzorchei HaGuf, like bathrooms, like mikvahs, like fixing potholes in driveways so people don't trip. But if it's a matter of you just want to build the building, build the yeshiva, build the shul, that building, that construction is not permitted to take place. That's not considered Tzorchei Ram. So Tzorchei Ram is limited to, uh, fig- you know, if they have to do the urinals or do the toilets, that's okay. Regular to add a wing to the shul of yeshiva, that's not okay. That is as far as we'll talk about for Cholomoy. Let's now go to the next topic. Do you want to do Rabbi Reese's Shir on women's issues or Thomas Kohanim? Rabbi Reese's Shir on feminism and women's issues. Okay, so there's a machlokis in the Gemara whether uh, you're allowed to teach your daughter Torah, and we pass in Kolom Lamed as Pito Torah, Kilum Lamed Tiflos. And the question is how we will apply it in our time. So first of all, the, there are two limitations. The Ram and the Shulchan Aruch both say that it's only for Rov Nashim, meaning that this is Rov Nashim. And secondly, that it's relating to Tosh Baal Peh. Tosh Sav doesn't have this limitation. Furthermore, the Prisha comments that this is only, as we mentioned, for Rov Nashim, but if there's a specific woman who has her own unique thirst for Torah, that is appropriate to, then it is okay to teach them. Secondly, the Ramah passing is that she has to learn all the halachas that apply to them. So for example, let's say you're a rabbi and you give a halacha shir. Women are, have to know orachayim. Women have to know yoradeya. Women have to know choshen mishpat. Women have to know evan ha'ezer. So if you give a shachanar shir, if you think about it, all four halacha and shachanar are pretty much halacha for women. So they apply, you know, there's not much uh, that doesn't apply to them from a certain perspective. Kutch, if you're, if, you're, if you're in brisk, then women shouldn't learn in brisk. Um, yeah. Rav Salvechik was of the opinion that in order for, because women have become, of course, uh, involved in the secular studies, so they're not going to have a chashir satar if they're not going to see the sophistication Torah, and therefore you could equally teach women and men uh, equally because they have to see that sophistication of the Torah. Now, 
Ramosha points out that whatever we do involve women in learning, it should be to promote Kedusha, not to promote feminism. Um, let's talk about leadership positions for women. So there are four, in general, the four issues that have to be addressed. There's the issue of Tzrara, which we'll talk about in a moment, the issue of Tzniyas, which is not a Musr Yesod, it's Halakha Lamaisa is Paskin based on the fact that women have a higher level of Tzniyas because in the Sugya, the way we learn Mo'avi, Velo Mo'avis, Amoni, Velo Amonis, is because men go to Muhammad women, it's not appropriate for women to go out to Melchama because called Kvodabas Bel Pinima. And that's where we learn the source of Amoni Velo Amonis, Moavi Velo Moavis, that they're not involved in Melchama. So Tsnias is not just a Muslim thing, it's, uh, it has its Nafkaminas for Dinam Daraisa. Third area that has to be evaluated for women's leadership position is, of course, Misora. And finally, Halachif, for example, like women can't be a, a Dayan because the Torah says they can't, they're possible for Dayanas. Uh, so where is this issue? Let's talk about Sorah first. So the Pasuk says, Som tesim melech, and the Sifri says, Melech below Malka. That would be fine because as long as you don't have a Malka, all the other you know, president of the shul and all the other chairman of the board of uh, any other institutions are not a Malka. But what about, the Ram has an added Nusach where he adds, any positions of authority. So do we pass like that, Ramam? So Moshe and his Shaila, famous Shaila about a woman serving as a mashkicha, argues that Rov Rishon do not hold like this Rambam, and do not hold for this additional Chumrah of the Rambam, and therefore, a woman can have a position of Sarah. However, there is the sheet of the Rambam, and we don't just uh, you know, throw Rambams out for no reason. Therefore, Bimakam Tzorech Godol, as well as if there is a Rav HaMash on top of her, then it would be permitted to, uh, there would not be this issue of Srara, which is really defined as, uh, you know, uh, fine. That's the Kula of Ramosha, that there's no Srara, Mekar Hadin, although practically you should be Machur for the Ram holds there is an Isra of Srara. Rasalvechik was Mechadish, that aside from the issue of Srara, there's a separate issue of Minui. And with that, he liked to explain that how come in Hilcha Shechita, the Gemara says explicitly, Nashem Shechtos, but the Ramah Paskins that a woman is not allowed a Shecht. The Minug is that a woman is not allowed a Shecht. Why that Minug against Mephrisha Gemara? So Rasalvechik suggested that in the olden days, Shechita was a private backyard matter. You wanted a Shecht, you went to your backyard, and you Shechted. But now that a Shechit is an appointed position, it's, there's a Minui, so it would be included in this uh, issue of any appointments or salvation said besides Srara, there's an added component of an appointed position. It happens to be that even though the Ger also has the uh, Isr of Srara, but he doesn't have this issue of Minui, so therefore salvation would, for example, prohibit women to be presidents of a shul, not only because of Srara, but because of Minui. I take that back. Let's stop there. Okay, fine. I take that back. Um... Shul presidents obviously could depend on if a woman could be a president, it might depend on the nature of the board. If she has to listen to the board or she makes independent financial decisions, that's a separate issue. Uh, what would be the argument? What's wrong with having a woman rabbi if women are allowed to learn nowadays? So, what's the problem with being a rabbi? So, the Rambam says that smich Doros is not, of course, actual physical smich, rather, we call him Rav, and he has a shuz ladun dine knasos. 
So that's going to be an issue, because since women, by definition, are puzzle for Dine Knossos for Dayanas, because they can't be a Dayanas since they can't be an aid, so therefore a woman can never be done Dine Knossos. And if the whole idea of Smicha Bizman Hazeh, whatever, whatever our pseudo-Smicha that we have nowadays, that you guys are all uh, hoping to, to, get to, to get to and to take your Bechinas and achieve, that pseudo-smicha that we have, you know, not the smicha of Moshe Rabbeinu Yishma Pi'ish, because that's been broken, but that is only Laudan Dina Kassam. We don't have that nowadays, so basically, it would be halachically problematic for a woman, not just hashkafically problematic, but halachically problematic for a woman to be a rabbi. As far as women paskening, or Yoetzet Halacha, or things of that sort, we have a Tosus who says that Dvorah did teach Halacha, Dvorah to Torah. Uh, there's a Sefer Chinuch that says that the Isr Shtuye Yayin, not the Paskin while one is intoxicated, applies to women. And it could be that even if they could Paskin, but it can't be in a position of Horash, you can't have a position. So the way Tosis says, for example, Tosis asked this issue, and Tosis says that Dvorah, when she Paskin, she didn't tell them what to, she didn't Paskin the Shalas, but she taught them she yadunu. So when the men are passing, she sort of helped them uh, tell them what they, you know, which direction they should go. So it could be that if there would be a yoetzer, and she would be under a rav who is the real posik, she's sort of just, uh, you know, smoothing things along, that might be much better. As far as Kaddish, a woman saying Kaddish, so the Chavis Yoyer says that this is a terrible thing, even if it might be a tikkun for the neshama, and it's not a violation of Tavarim Shabbat but we're worried that this will be weak in the Minhagim, and it's a terrible thing. Rav Henkin argued and said that Efshir, if it's not in the shul, Efshir she'enk peyde bezeh, as long as it's done in its sneeze, stick away. Um, Rav Salvechik argued that if Meikr Hadin is mutter, and you stop a woman from saying Kaddish, if Meikr Hadin it is mutter, that just strengthens the arguments of our enemies to say that we're so oppressive because even the things that are really mutter we don't let them do. So we let them do the things that Mikra did are mutter. I'll tell you practically where this comes up most often. It comes up most often when you go to a levaya, a burial, and uh, in certain circles, and the daughter, even if they're not religious or different levels of religiosity, and there's uh, two sons and a daughter, two daughters and a son. So a son definitely will say Kaddish, but oftentimes the woman will want to say Kaddish, at least, even if they're not going to go to Shul regularly, but at least at the Kavura, uh, sometimes that, that comes up off, that comes up quite often, actually, in certain circles. Uh, let's finish off with Abbas Mitzvah. Here, Ramosha says, we're ready Mitzvah, on the way Bar Mitzvah parties have turned into, certainly we shouldn't start with Bas Mitzvahs. However, the Sri Deyesh says, if the purpose is to be mechanic and to inspire girls, so, as long as it's not in the Shul, the sanctuary, it should be okay. Uh, Svardim have been doing this for centuries. Ravadi says this is Roy Lomar Zmiros. Ben Ishchai did a, made, made this, and therefore it would be okay. Roy Twisky points out if you're going to make a bas mitzvah that itself is against halacha, like they have mixed dancing and something, there's nothing to talk about. The whole point is to do it to inspire Shmiras halacha. Now it's itself uh, against halacha. That would, of course, undermine the whole thing. Uh, Roy Willig has a unique shita of bas mitzvahs, Ayansham. Fine. Let's now go to the shir on, do you want Tumas Kohanim or do you want infertility? Who wants infertility? Raise your hand. Who wants Tumas Kohanim? Okay, infertility. So, this is a lighter shir. A quicker one. So, 
This was a shir by of Elon Segelman, so he did a lot of technical things that we might not focus on. It's important to realize that, first of all, a very high percentage, I think 15% of our communities suffer some type of infertility. So that means if you have a shul with 100 balabata, which is not a very large shul, you could assume that 15 of your families have infertility challenges. Uh, it doesn't mean they can't have children, it just means they have, to, you know, they have challenges. I have a Shiloh right now. After, if I turn my phone back on, I might find out what the, where, I, where, where we have to go. A woman, the issue that I, the Shiloh that I have right now is a woman had her eggs harvested and they are right a few days ago, like two days ago, and they are right now multiplying into blasto, blastocytes, I think. And when they reach a certain stage of development, they're going to be implanted. When will they reach that stage? They will know Saturday morning, if they have to be implanted on Saturday, or if they could wait, or, or on Monday. It's either three, day three or day five. So she wanted to know, this is the shadow that I have right now, if she has to be in the hospital on Shabbos, because... It might be that she'll have to go, meaning to have the implantation, that's going to be okay. But does she have to make sure that she's in the hospital on Shabbos so that she doesn't have to, the other, what's the other possibility? The other possibility, if they call a guy and you take a guy, a cab down to the hospital, would that be okay? To do Amil uh, Anachri, if we consider a Cholish Eimbo Sakana, which I think the postcom are willing to assume that a woman who can't, who has infertility will give her the leniencies of a Chol Sakana as far as medicines, as far as Amir Lanachri. So here it's a little bit more complicated because she could avoid everything. She could just stay by a friend on the, uh, you know, by, by in Midtown Manhattan or the Upper East or Upper West Side near the hospital, but it's just annoying. So yes, Amir Lanachri is mutter, but on the other hand, you don't have to do the Amir Lanachri if you just stay two blocks in the hospital and go in yourself without reliance. That's what I have to figure out right now. Um, okay, back to... That's a similar issue, but that's going to be more of an issue because that would be pikach, that would be pikach nefesh. So that's yes, but that's a different sugya because there's for a doraisa. I know that even there, there's Mogan Avram. I know Rav Shechter holds one way, Rav Ashweis holds a different way, and Shai Shechter who's stuck in the middle. So uh, <laughs> Shai Shechter is very, 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 very close to Rav Ashweis. He's also very close he to the Rav Shechter. What? Okay. Um, <laughs> so, it, just so we know the numbers, it ends up being, funnily enough, if that's a word, that about a third of the infertility issues are male issues, a third of the infertility issues are female issues, and a third of the issues are the uh, union of the two people uh, of an issue. Now, the most common issue is age. The reason why issue is the most significant issue, the reason why age is the most significant issue is because a woman is born with all of her eggs, and as, they, as a woman grows older, her eggs grow older and become less effective, less uh, fertile, and also have a higher rate of miscarriage. Masha'en Kain, a man, constantly regenerates his zera, and therefore, even if a man does get a little bit older, his zera will not be as, as, uh, as severely uh, impacted. The most common issue, it's just important to know these words because it's going to be the most common issue, is picos, which is that a woman it doesn't ovulate. And therefore we have to figure out how to get her to ovulate. Okay, I don't know if I, was, if I, I would pass a, uh, the medical boards by describing PICOS as a woman has a problem ovulating, but it's enough for us for today. Okay, the issue that we have to deal with as Rabbanim is early ovulation. This is a, could be a halakhic issue because the, a woman will have 
be able to become pregnant only, only, only if the zera is there around the time of ovulation. After a woman ovulates and the the uh, egg comes out and there's nothing to be, there's no zera there to fertilize it. After that, she's not going to be able to become pregnant because after ovulation, there's a thick mucus that's that's formed that doesn't allow the zera up to to reach the egg. So once you get to, so we have to make sure that her ovulation will be um, after the zera is, is introduced. We have to make sure that she goes to the mikvah before she ovulates. If she ovulates early and she's not even back from the mikvah yet, she ovulates early and there's no zera around. There's not going to be zera around. So by the time uh, he, she comes back from the mikvah, there won't be any, and the zera could come in. There's no, uh, there's no eggs to, to deal with, and that will be an issue that we will have to take care of. So let's just talk for a moment about, again, I'm not uh, trying to be a reproductive endocrinologist, but let's just work out the one or two medical aspects of the menstrual cycle so we can understand how things will go from there. So once a month, there's a pituitary gland in the hypothalamus that produces FSH. You should know that word. FSH is a follicle-stimulating hormone. So if you can't remember follicle-stimulating hormone, just remember FSH. If you don't remember what FSH is, then just remember follicle-stimulating hormone. Um, now, you know what this FSH does? It stimulates follicles. So that hormone will... Yeah, there's another thing called LH, which is the luteinizing hormone. Luteinizing, I guess, is it what tells the ovaries, okay, shoot out your egg into the fallopian tubes. When the LH tells the ovaries that you should shoot your egg out into the fallopian tubes, that's called ovulation. So clearly, the way we're going to solve problems is by adjusting these luteinizing hormone or this follicle-stimulating hormone that tell the ovary that sort of tell the ovaries to start getting to work. If we play with those uh, hormones, and we could thereby adjust when she's going to ovulate, and if we could delay it a little bit to ovulate a little bit later, till after she comes back from the mikvah, that will be the goal of what the rabbis are trying to do. Now, in terms of the days, the numbers of how periods work and ovulation work. So ovulation is always going to be not depend on last month, but Ovulation will always happen 14 days before the next period. So if, for example, she's going to, let's say, for example, a normal woman will go to the mikvah on day 12 of her period. She got a period, five days she was bleeding, seven days of Zionikim. After those 12 days, she goes to the mikvah that night. And then she ovulates on day, let's say, 14. So the biyas on day 12, 13, 14 will have the potential to impregnate her, and that will be great. However, let's say she has not a, what did we, we just described a uh, 26-day cycle. Let's say she, had a 20, she has a 25-day cycle. Then, if she has a 25-day cycle, then when is she ovulating? 14 days before the end of her cycle. She has a 25-day cycle, she's ovulating on day 11. Day 11, guess what? She's a nida, she didn't go to the mikvah yet. And after she ovulates on day 11, she's not going to be able to become pregnant. So when she goes to mikvah on day 12 and has a zero on day 12, 13, 14, that's not going to help her because she had ovulated already and the zero is not, not going to be able to penetrate the, uh, that mucus that's, that, that stops it from penetrating. So she's going to be in trouble. Alternatively, let's say she doesn't have an early ovulation, but let's say for some reason she was bleeding longer than usual. 
and she didn't go to the mikvah on day 12 as she was hoping for. She ended up bleeding for, let's say, instead of five days, she bled for seven days. And then she bled for seven days, and then she needed to design a king. So it's already day 14, and she, if she might miss her ovulation that way, meaning her mikvah is delayed that way. So that's also going to be an issue. So that issue will have to be solved. This issue of longer bleeding, if there's some chemical way to make a woman bleed less, that might be doable. Ask your local reproductive endocrinologist. <clears throat> One halachic way that might be necessary to get involved in, if a woman is uh, having long bleeding situations is, or, or certain situations to allow, let's say you allow a hefsik, we know there's machlokis, <coughs> if a hefsik, we usually do a hefsik only on day five, never before, but in such a case where you need, where she's ovulating early, you want to get, gain an extra day, there's sometimes room to be mako to allow her to do the hefsik on day four to get one day earlier if she has early ovulation. If she has uh, lots of bleeding and you want to minimize her finding um, stains, so then you could tell her to do fewer bedikos, you could send her to bodekis tara to ensure that the dam that she thinks is damnidus is not just a, a vaginal maka. Uh, sometimes you'd give a kula to wear tziv uh, onim or to wear pads that are not makabotumas so she won't get problems with ksamim. Um, now, if all these suggestions that we just suggested, these four different passive halachic things that are within the realm of halacha to help don't suffice, then we'll have the next option, which would be IUI, intrauterine insemination, which would mean that Let's say she's Anita. She didn't go to the mikvah yet. Oh, she's about to ovulate. Don't worry. We have the zera that will, from that we got some without her having a beer. We'll take his the zera and we'll shoot it into her, not through a ma'isa beer, which would be during nidus chivkaris, but we'll just do it through a syringe and shoot it into her uh, her fallopian tubes. The problem is how are you going to get that zera if she's Anita? Then where's the zera coming from? If it comes from masturbation, that will be an uh, isidoraisa. So this, which we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, so one solution would be is that they could have bia b'shas heter last month into a condom to collect the zera, bring it to the lab, the lab will freeze the zera, and two weeks later when she's anida, and she would love to go to the mikvah, but she's having problems going to the mikvah, they'll inject the, uh, the zera from two weeks ago, they'll thaw it out and inject it in two weeks later and be able to use that zera to inseminate her while she is Anita. So, if you do that, is she called a, is the baby called a Benida? Because she is Anita when she was inseminated. But on the other hand, there was no Isra involved. Okay, it's a good question. Not such a big man, not the middle of her anyway. If, she's a if you should marry her or not. That's what he says about uh, about uh, um, if you don't know. I don't know if you would say it if you know definitely. But I'm not, we're not getting into that. If you see a good girl with good midas, you marry her. Period, yes. Um, so there's an issue that you have to be aware of, and that is the issue of hashkacha. Hashkacha, not to check for bugs in your lettuce, um, but to check to make sure that whatever zera might be frozen in the, in the liquid nitrogen where they freeze it, and whatever is actually being implanted in the woman, it's the same husband with the right man, the same eggs. The right, yeah, you just need hashkacha to make sure. Now, let's talk about IVF, Introver- intra, I'm sorry, in vitro, in vitro fertilization is not going to be <coughs> taking zera and shooting it into her body, but you take the egg, you take the <coughs> zera, you take the zera, you put the zera on the edge of a needle, you take the, uh, this is microscopic, 
where you put the zera on the edge of the needle and you puncture the the egg, put the zera inside of it, and poof, you have a conception, you have a baby. It's probably a little harder than I just described. Um, That, and then you leave it in the dish and you let it grow for a few days, then you throw it back into the woman. Again, that's also probably a little harder than I just described. But that's very similar to what we have in the Gemara of Nizra Bambati, where you have a baby being born without a Maisabiyah. <clears throat> so, is that a fulfillment of Puravu? So, uh, Rav Yaakov, relates to the other Shiloh we said, so Rav Yaakov says, there's no Yichus, Achrav, and we remember that, the, that you have to have Yichus. So, if there's no Maisabiyah, there's no uh, Nizra Bambati, there's no, there's no Puravu, if there's no Yichus, Achrav. However, the Beishmur, we said, Avav l'chol davar, by Nizra Bambati. That means there, would, there is yichas and there is b'pruvu. Uh, another issue is uh, machlokas. If an IVF baby can have a Shabbos bris, also machlokas. Fine. Ah, now let's talk about another issue that's very important. Let's say you have a girl who is born from intrauterine insemination, right? We just said that she might not be miyuchas <laughs> after her father because there's no maizabiyya, there's just zera that they took from a... From a, from a uh, liquid nitrogen freezer and shot it into the mother. There's no father there. So she doesn't have yichas for her father. If the woman is not miyucheses, she's not supposed to marry a kohen. So if you're a kohen and you're going out with a girl, I'm not sure if you're supposed to ask, you know, uh, the, the, the perspective, uh, your prospective father-in-law, mother-in-law, if she was, got RUI, but uh holds that that's a problem. It happens to be Ramosha permits it, and rub posts can seem to permit us. If you're a Rav Shechter Talmud, I guess that'll be a little bit more complicated, but most posts can say it's okay. Now, as far as Otsar Zelavatala and masturbation, so theoretically, there are two issues to talk of. First of all, it's uh, the Isra in and of itself, Otsar Zelavatala, but that we should say, it's not Levatala if it's for productive purposes of making, uh, you know, having a baby. On the other hand, there's a different issue, which might be Nisad Darais of Losinov, which Chazal says the Isser of Naifa Biyad of Regel, and that's an Isser, an essential, an Isser Darais of masturbation, even aside from the Hatzas uh, Levatala, and therefore that might be a problem even if it is for fertility. So because of that, how to get the Zera, how to procure the Zera, that, you know, we'll figure out different options for that. But when will we allow semen analysis? Meaning, if a woman and a, if a couple, non-Jewish couple goes to the doctor and they have a problem for, with fertility, so they'll say, okay, I'll check the woman for eggs and I'll check his semen right away. But for, with a man, you're not going to jump to do a semen analysis. So my different opinions, some say you wait 10 years before you do a semen, permit a semen analysis, two years, five years, uh, depends on the situation, different scenarios. But uh, one way that would... Per, allow the semen analysis after the couple has bia, normal bia, they just take a cup and collect whatever's dripping from there. That, if that's sufficient for semen analysis, that, okay, that would be heter, uh, you know, right away, but that might not be the greatest sample. Okay, so that is the shear on infertility. Let's now talk about Listen, do you want to do Hilkas Ribas, or Feldman's shear on Hilkas Ribas, or Thomas uh, Thomas Kohan. Ribis. Ribis. Who wants Ribis? Which is easier? Thomas Kohan is a little heavier. Thomas Kohan. Okay, I'll do Ribis. Okay, so Hilka's Ribis, Ray Feldman. So, of course, when it comes to Ribis, it's also to give both money as Ribis as well as commodities, as apples as Ribis. 
I'm just trying to think. I had two interesting shahs with Philchus Ribas recently. Not for now, it's a complicated case. Um, just to say before we get into this shear, the most common shayla in Hilchas Ribis is the following. It's an Isidar Raisa, possibly, it could be knocked down to the Rabbanon, but it happens in every, in every shul. You, this, this, this happens all the time, people just don't realize. You have a, did I mention this? I spoke about this once, maybe my shul. You have a guy who's, what if, a kid who's graduated college. He wants to buy a car to go to work for his first job. So the down payment is $3,000 for his lease. But he doesn't have $3,000 cash to put out on the spot, so his older brother, his father, right, his the son's getting a job. His father doesn't have to pay for it, the son could pay for it, but he doesn't have the cash. So the father says, I'll pay with my credit card, and you'll just pay the, you'll just pay the, uh, the payments as it go, because really, you're alone. So what's really happening here is what? What's really, really, really happening is that the credit card, who, Mr. Credit Card, Mr. Visa, lends who the money? Whoever's on the card. Whoever's name is on the card. That's the father. And the father, in turn, is now lending his son the money. And that means there's a loan from Visa to father, father to son, and the son is buying the car with that. So the son borrowed money from his father. When the son pays back the, the uh, money, if he doesn't pay on time, there's going to be interest. So... Where is he paying? He's paying, the son is paying the visa? No. The, loan, the visa never lent money to the son. Who's really paying the, the visa back? The father's paying. So when the son pays visa, what he's really doing, he's really paying back the loan to his father to pay visa back. So he's giving back, he borrowed $3,000. He's giving back to his father the $3,000 plus interest. And that would be Nisa Daraisa. How did it happen? Because somebody wanted to help his younger brother, or a father wanted to help his child. So they are all in violation of Nisidaraisa. Okay. But if it's done with checks, then maybe it's Nisidaraisa, but we're not going into that now. Of course, one issue to keep in mind is that this is not an Nisidaraisa in Chosh and Mish, but it's in Yeridea, and therefore it's not Nisidaraisa, and it's Aser, only Aser to a fellow Jew, and it's Aser even if it's helpful to people, as we just mentioned. Uh, Rabbi Feldman talked about different nafkaminas of the fact that it's um, that it's not a mominous dika din. We're not going to go into that right now. We have to know that there are different. I'm sorry. When it comes to a when it comes to a guy, of course, the pasuk says lanachrisa tashich. So my is if that means it's a mitzvah to lend to a guy, or it's just mutter to lend to a guy. Um, with ribis, I mean. Of course, as far as understanding ribis, there's ribis kitsutsa, which is also derais. If it's set up mitchila, either you'll give me $110 or you'll give me uh, $100 plus 10%, whatever it will be, whether it's a percentage or a set amount, that will be also even from the sha'as ha-halva, even before the money is paid back, just writing the document, suma milsa, I think it's suma milsa, not shuma milsa. I think, I'm not sure. So what's an example? That's Ribas Kitsut. So that's Nisa Durai. So what's an example of Kitsut? So for example, if you say I'm going to, if I have a promissory note and you sell it for, for $1,000, you sell it for $800, so that's mutter. But if you sell it for $800, because you need cash quickly, and you guarantee that it's going to, that you're going to make sure he'll collect it, that means that you're really uh, lending it. That means, there's a two, two, that means there's a loan with a $200 discount uh, that will be Ribas Kitsutsa. 
Um, if you pay, if the decision to charge interest is achash as halva, that's a machlokas if it's ribis kitsutza. If it's a check, so Shechter holds that a check is not money and it can't be ribis daraisa, many argue with that, but that's a question. If it's ribis kitsutza, then there's an iser not only on the malveh, but also on the loveh, not only on the malveh and the loveh, but also on the sofer and on the arev and on the lawyer. If it's uh, ribis darabanan, so then, I'm sorry, one other nafkamin, if it's ribis daraisa, then it's yotzei bidayana. That means even if you paid it up, you can collect it back. Masha Enkin, if it's ribis darabanan, Either avak ribis or tzarechad ribis or avak ribis tzarechad ribis or haramas ribis. Is that the other one? Yeah, maybe. What? I think harama maybe. Um, so then, so it's not yotzi b'dayonim, and it's not an isra on the sofer and on the or even on the lawyer. Um, fine. There is an alleged Shitas Rashi that says that ribis that you pay via shaliach is not a raisa because it's shaliach vayavera, but this Shitas Rashi is not acceptable halacha. Um, there is a case where ribis would be mutter, and that is the fact that lo Torah el ribis haba miad malve. I'm sorry, miad love liad malve. So, for example. If I pay money to you, because you could convince him to give me a loan, so there's no transfer of I'm not paying the ribbons from me to the malva. I'm giving it to you to secure the loan for me. Uh, that would be mutter. Oh, another napkin routine ribbons to Kitsutsa ribbons drabanan is that ribis drabanan has a special heter, li or for tztaka, that you're allowed to charge ribis for a tztaka institution. So for example, one might argue that Yeshiva University is a tztaka institution, therefore uh, they might be permitted to charge ribis drabanan. One might argue that. Keep in mind, let's say I say, I'm going to lend you $100, and you pay $100 back to me, but give the 10% interest, $10 extra, not to me, but to so-and-so, or to my favorite charity. So there you'll say, oh, that's not ribis habami ad love ad malva. That's not correct. Why? Because there, we know from Kiddushin, that we didn't arave, if I tell you to do it for, give it instead of to me, to them, that would also be as though it's coming to me, that would be asr midoraisa, and that would be ribis midin arave. Let's talk about a heteriska. Heteriska, in one word, restructures a loan to be an investment. Now, before we talk about what a heteriska is, we want to clarify that there are two issues to talk of. One is the spirit of the law, one is the letter of the law. So, the spirit of the law is the fact that Chazal wanted that people should lend money. And if people aren't lending money, so then people aren't going to lend money for free, so then we're not going to have lending. So we want to figure out a way to do it. Once you want to figure out a way to address the spirit of the law, now we could go use the heterit iska to address the, the letter of the law, the details, to make sure that won't, something won't be uh, ribis. Now, keep in mind also, before we get into the details, that even though a heterit iska can be performed, keep in mind that the mitzvah of lending money, that which you want to do a mitzvah to lend a fellow Jew money who needs it, is only with an iska, is only without a heterit iska. So if you want to do chesed, you're not using a heterit iska. 
you want to do chesed, you don't, you just let money for free. If there's a money-making situation, then, then a heterisk is used, but that's not a mitzvah of lending money. So let's talk about the chatsi milva chatsi pikadon model. So the situation is like this. I want to lend you $1,000 for you to fix your pizza store and make more money. That's why you want to borrow $1,000. You're going to put a new, uh, a new oven in your pizza store. I, I want to make sure I get... If I'm losing $1,000, I want to get $100 back, so I want to make a 10% gain. So what I'll do is the following. I'll, I'll lend you $500 as a loan without any interest at all. And I'm also going to give you $500 as my investment in your pizza store. I own that investment. So I own $500 of that oven in your pizza store that you're installing. Now, I anticipate that, remember, I want $100, I want 10% return. So what we're going to do is we're going to say that we anticipate that the $500 oven that I'm, $500 share that I have in your oven is probably going to produce a return of 20%. Why am I saying 20%? Because since I really gave you $1,000, but only $500, and I want a 10% return on all of $1,000, which is $100, so in order for me to get $100 out of my $500 Investment, remember, five hundred dollars is a free loan. So the five hundred dollar investment, in order to get a ten percent return on the thousand, which is going to have to t- turn into a twenty percent return on the five hundred. So I'm going to de- say we're going to expect a twenty percent return on my investment. So if you're going to have my new oven, my five hundred dollars of new oven in your store, so I bet you're going to sell so much more pizza, you're going to get a twenty percent return. So when you give me back the money, you're giving me, you'll give me back the five hundred dollars interest free loan because that's what you borrowed from me. And you also pay me back for the $500 that I invested a $600 r- return, not a return, a $500 to return my investment plus $100, uh, which is a 20% rate of return on that $500. Now, why are we doing this complicated situation? Why don't we just do a, what's called a Kulo Picadon? Why don't I just lend you $1,000 and then get a 10% return on $1,000? Why am I doing this half? loan, half milva. So the answer is, because if I lend you $1,000, I'm sorry, if I invest with you $1,000, guess what could happen? You could say that nobody bought pizza, and you lost all your money. And then how much did I lose? I lost 1000 bucks. However, if I lend you 500 that you definitely have to return. And I invest with you 500 that I might lose. So then I'm exposing myself to a maximum risk of only $500. I'll give you an example of a heterisca that I just did last week. It was for a $5 million loan, and the interest rate was, guess? 10%. Higher. 10%. Higher. A 14% interest rate on a $5 million loan. Do you know how much money we're talking? On just an interest for one year, that's like $700,000 a year for doing absolutely nothing. Okay. So you just have to have $5 million to start. So I realized the following. If we do the chatsi mil chatsi pikadon, so what's going to have to be the anticipated rate of return? If it's a $5 million loan, it's going to have to be 28%. 28% is absurd. No one, there are no investments, no one would borrow money for 28%. It's absurd. So therefore, you know what I chose to do? Not a chatsi mil chatsi pikadon model. I chose to do the kulo Picadon model, because then I'm just writing on, I'm just expecting a rate, an interest return of 14%. The Malva knew he was exposing himself to $5 million. He didn't know the two options. The Malva was a non-religious 
Jew who was um, doing what he needed to do to satisfy the religious Jew who was borrowing the money and insisting on the Hatariska. And we had to deal with that, you know, do some creative stuff there. Um, oh, so we, we did the first step. The first, that was the first step of the Hetariska, that you send, you, you, you give not just, you're, not, you're either giving a half a loan or not a loan at all, and you're giving a big chunk as the investment that's going to have either the 20% return or the 10% return if it's the uh, entire sum is an investment. Oh, but what's the problem? The problem is, again, that the pizza store man can say, I'm sorry, I lost all your, I didn't have a profit. I'm worried. That means I might lose my, lose my investment. But a loan, I'll get back. But if it's an investment, I might lose my investment. That's exposing myself either to $500 or to $1,000. I don't want to do either of them. So the second half of the heterisk is that the following. The lender says, you know what? I'm going to be nice. I'm sorry. I'm going to be mean. I'm going to demand that the only way you could claim that there's a loss is if you prove it in a very uncomfortable, awkward difficult way. Like, for example, swearing in court that you lost money. Now, we know that Orthodox Jews don't swear. We don't do a shud or ISIS. So you're never going to want to do it. But I'm saying, if you don't, if you swear in court that you, a shud or ISIS, that you lost money, that the priest has still lost money, okay, I'll believe you. But otherwise, I'm not going to believe you and you'll uh, have to give me what the, uh, other, this anticipated return of 20% on my $500 or 10% on my $1,000. So, therefore, the lender is sort of guaranteed to get his money back because he knows that an Orthodox Jew is not going to make a Shwedaraisa to get out of it. But if the borrower does decide to make a Shwedaraisa against what we would do, then it's theoretically possible there is a danger of Hatariska that if it's investment and not loan, then the investment could indeed go sour. Fine. Now, another thing that has to be kept in mind, let's talk about the Chatzimil v'chatzim picado. So I lend you $1,000 for your pizza store, $500 is a loan to you, you pay that back to me, free loan. $500 I'm investing. Now, if I'm investing $500 in your pizza store, who's selling the pizza? Who's making the pizza? Who's running the business? You are. So I have to compensate you. I have to give you a dollar to compensate you for the work that you're doing for me um, because otherwise, guess what? I lent you $500, and you're also going to do work for me? So you're giving me back the $500 plus work on the Chatzih HaPikada, of managing the investment. And that would be, you let you, I lend you $500, and I give you an investment of $500. You're going to be giving me back $500 on the loan, but you're also going to do work for me for that investment. So that's going to be rude. So I have to give you a dollar. A dollar is enough, even for a $5 million loan. Um, a do, I'll give you a dollar to manage the investment so that that's going to compensate you for the work that you're doing for me so that it won't be rivers. Fine. Based on what I just said, let's say you give a Kulo Picado loan, you give a thousand dollars, I'm sorry, Kulo Picado investment, right, Kulo Picado means a thousand dollars is an investment, so there I don't have to give you the dollar, why not? I don't have to give you the dollar because you're working, you're allowed to work for me for free. The only time that I don't want you to work for me for free is if I lent you money. But in a Kula Pikadun, I didn't lend you any money. I gave you it all as an investment. Fine. Then there's a, if you're going to open up a business, what you might want to do, and this is what all the banks do, 
is the third. So we had a chatzimel chatzipikadon. We had a kula pikadon. Now we have the third type of hetero iska, and that's a hetero iska klolis, which means that a bank, in a small print of its corporate of its incorporation papers, will say everything that we do in this bank is done even though it looks like a loan and it smells like a loan and it looks like interest and it smells like interest and it looks like... Everything that we do here is all done according to Heter Iska. It's the, it's the understood reality that is really behind what everything that we just... Uh, we use different words, but everything is based on this Heter Iska. That is uh, not ideal, but that is a, a way that, that is what banks do and certain businesses operate with. But if you could do a specific Heter Iska specified for each transaction, that would be better if it's possible. Obviously, one of the limitations of what we just described is that the whole point of the heteriska is that you're investing in something that is either going to, that you don't know whether it's going to go up or down, and therefore it might go up, might go down, and therefore you have to assume a certain return. But if it's something that everyone knows what the return is going to be, like you're, I'm giving you money to buy a house, and everyone knows that the real estate goes up or goes down. So how can I say we're anticipating a 20% return or anticipating a 10% return? Everyone knows that the real estate prices went up 3% or 35%. So therefore, it's going to get a little bit more complicated when dealing with commodity, when you're investing in or lending money for uh, commodities that you know what the the returns are going to be. Additionally, for this to work as a student loan, that only works if you assume that I'm giving money to invest in something. You have to say that I'm investing the capital, the human capital, by uh, I'm becoming a partner in your brain by giving you money to go to school. Uh, so I could have a share in all your profits that you're going to bring. That's also an interesting thing to think about. Now, when it comes to corporations, corporations have an additional heter that you're allowed to take interest. In other words, you're allowed to deposit money in a bank. You're allowed to lend money to a bank or take, uh, deposit money in a bank and get interest. That's going to be okay because the bank doesn't have any personal liability. There's no lover there. So it's going to be mutter to take interest from them. That's the end of this Shia on Hilchus Rivers. Okay, let's do... Do you want to... Let's do Thomas Kohenim. This might be the last one. And then the others will talk about it afterwards. Okay. There are three types of Tumah. This is Rabbi Konigsberg Shir on Tumas Konim. There are three types of Tumah. There's Tumas, Tumas Mace, I'm sorry. There's Tumas Maga, Tumas Masa, and Tumas Ohel. Tumas Maga and Tumas Masa apply whether the dead body is Jewish or Gentile. However, Tumas Ohel, there there's Machlokas if it's a Mace Akum. If it's a Mace Akum, then by Tumas Ohel, there's Machlokas Tanoim. Machlok is Rishonim, and Machlok is Shochanarach versus Ramah, if a, if a guy, if, an, uh, if a guy is metame ba'ohel. There's a rivid, let, let me back up. There's a halacha called Tumah B'chiburim. Tumah B'chiburim is that if I'm holding on to something that's Tameh, so I'm allowed, if I, my right hand is on a dead body, my left hand is allowed to touch another dead body. Once I'm Tameh already, if I'm a Kohen and I'm holding a dead body in one hand, I could hold another dead body in my other hand. Once you're touching Tumah, you can touch more Tumah. Ah, the question is, let's say I touched a dead body this morning. Could I touch a dead body in the afternoon? Meaning, I'm not going to delay, I'm not being most of Tumah al because I'm not delaying the Tara process an extra day because it's the same day. 
So in such a case, I'm not delaying the extra tummy. I'm tummy right today anyway because I touched the dead body. Can I go ahead and touch a second dead body later in the day? So that's machlokas. The Rama says it's us. The Rama says it's mutter because you're not being Moshe al Tomas. You're not making it. You're a tummy today anyway, Midaraisa Tomas Mes. You're not making it any longer because it's another thing in the same day. Ah, so with that, we could come up with something interesting. The Ravid says, points out that Kohan and Bizman Hazeh are all Tmei Meis. And therefore, if every Kohan Bizman Hazeh is a Tmei Meis, you're not really being Mosif Toma al Tomasa. Based on that, listen to what the Dogon Revava wants to do. If indeed every Kohan today is considered sort of like Tumah B'chiburim, meaning is considered Tumah Rari, and any more Tumah that they become is not most of Tumah El so... So according to that Ravid, we don't pass them like it. Theoretically, you could touch a coin nowadays, could become Tumah. If you take that Ravid and you add to it the Ramah, who says that there's no Tumah Ohel by an Akam, you could put together Sex Feka. When you have Tame uh, Mace of an Akum, which the Ramah says is not Mitame. And even if you hold like the Poskim who say that it is Tame, like the Shulchanar who says it is Tame, then you could be Mako like the Sheet of the Ravid who says that nowadays when Kohanim are all Tameim anyway, you're not being most of Tamal Tamaso, so also you're allowed to. So then you come out with a Sex Veka that would allow a Kohen to come in t- contact with, and not to come in contact with, a, to, you have a sex maker that would allow a Kohen to be in the same Ohel as a Mace Akum. That's the sex maker of the Dogum However, by the way, that was suggested that that could be a heter for a Kohen Bismarck as that to go to medical school. Because medical school, if the issue is not a question of touching, but being in the same Ohel as a cadaver in the autopsy, in the uh, anatomy lab. So you'll be Samich on the Ravid and. <coughs> And the Ramah, you have the sex fake, and it will allow yourself to go to medical school. However, first of all, we do not allow this. Number one, because the Ravid is a Das Yachid who says that Kohanim are allowed to, you know, become tummy nowadays, because they're tummy anyway. And secondly, even the Ravid, when he says that a Kohen nowadays is allowed to become tummy, he might just have meant you don't get Malchus, but it might still be Asidoraisa. And thirdly, yeah, so therefore you can't rely on the Ravid as part of the Svex Veka. Uh, additionally, Ramosha points out that you can't use the Svara of Sakonas and Pikuach Nefesh to allow going to medical school because, yes, Pikuach Nefesh means if somebody is deathly ill, you have to save them. It doesn't mean you have to go to school to save them. Second of all, says Ramosha, there are non-Jewish doctors in the world. You could let, if uh, Harvard's only accepting 100 you know, MD candidates this year, so let it be 100 non-Jewish candidates, not you, Mr. Cohn. And thirdly, you have Jewish doctors. You have Levines and Gold, Goldmans and Friedmans and, and uh, all kinds of other Jewish people who don't have the last name Cohen. So it doesn't have to be you, Mr. Cohen. So therefore, Ramosha says that it would be a problem for a Cohen to go to medical school. Let us talk about a Cohen doing Bikr Cholim. So the issue of a Cohen being in, again, a, a hospital is that the roof is the Ohel. The roof joins together all the rooms under that roof. And if there is on one side of a hospital, on uh, three north wing, there's a mace. So on three south, which is where you're going to visit somebody, the same roof of three 
is being mahil on you and the mace, and that's going to be a problem for the Kohen. So it's going to be an issue. However, a way to solve that is if the doors and the vents, like it's a little bit complicated. So in Shari Tzedek, you could look at, uh, there's some books out that talk about the vent, the, air, the, 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 the HVAC design for Shari Tzedek, where the vents are designed in a way that will not allow Tuma through the air vents. They're actually diagrams. Uh, when I was, I was working on the Sugi once, and I actually took out a book, and I saw like the diagrams that, I don't know, Tzomet, you know, these are the type of places, the diagrams for Shari Tzedek's air HVAC system. Um, interesting. You should just know there are three hospitals in Eretz Yisrael that are Shomer Halacha. Shari Tzedek in Yishalayim, Laniado in Netanya, and Bikr Cholim in Me'asharem. It's a Bikr Cholim is mostly used for uh, labor and delivery now. Fine, just good to know that. All the other hospitals, unfortunately, are not Shomer Halacha, and they do things that may not necessarily all fit with halacha in all aspects. Okay, there's also a separate issue that even if you have all the doors closed and all the vents closed and there's no tumah that's traveling from the room where the mace is to the, on the same floor to where you have to go, there's a separate issue called self tumalatzes, and that is, if we know that the mace is going to be going through this hallway, so even though the mace is not there, we look at it as though, it's a question of self tumalatzes, is there right? We look at it as though the mace is there right now. Uh, and no more, even more so is, let's say there are numerous exits of a building or a room or something or a floor or a ward, and you don't know which one it's going to go through, we consider the mace to be in every last one of those. You can't go through any of those doorways. So that could be a real serious issue for a coin to do bikuchalim in the hospital. So, or or to, if you don't know which elevator they're going to use, take the mace out, you can't go into any elevator. If, however, we know that there's a, they only use service elevators to take corpses out, which, well, you know, in normal circumstances, that's probably what they do. They don't want to, yeah, they don't freak people out. So you would be able to go through the elevators, you just have to worry about the uh, hallways. Oh. So the question is, what happens if we have a mace that you could assume is a guy? The rove guy, if you're in, in New York, even in New York that has a very high Jewish population, and we can still assume that Rov Goyim in any hospital, maybe with the exception of Maimonides, I don't even know what the percentage of Maimonides is, but other than Maimonides Hospital in, in, in Borough Park, every other hospital, I'm assuming, is Rov Goyim. So will we allow, will we have a problem of Sof Tumalatzes by a Goy mace? So here the Yeshua Siakov suggests that the Isra of Sof Tumalatzes, because you know who are taking the mace out, because you have to bury a Jew, a, a person has to be buried, a Jew has to be buried. And therefore, a guy who doesn't have a chiv to kvura, there's no isr of because we don't know the, what the isr of is that we know you're going to take the mace out. But if a guy doesn't have to be taken out anyway, you can leave the guy forever there. There's no chiv to take the guy out from where he is. So therefore, you don't necessarily know that the guy will be taken out in the first place, and therefore, uh, there won't be some self for a guy. Ushachter suggests a different svara. He says that Sof Tumalatzeis is itself a Chomrad Rabbanon, and the Isser of Tumas Ohel for an Akum, according to Ramah, is itself a Chomrad also. And if it's a Chomrad on top of a Chomrad, you don't have to be Machmir for Sof Tumalatzeis for a Mace Akum. That's a Shatter's Kula, but many people do not accept that Kula. Fine. Ramosha says in the Tshuva that Medina, you could be Mekel to allow Kohen to go visit. To, uh, to, that, to assume that the rov is a nachrim, miyker hadin that uh, nachrim are not metami ba'ohel, 
And therefore, he would permit a litzoref godol to allow a coin to be vakachol, for example, for his a close relative or for Shalom Bayes, if your wife just gave birth and you don't visit her and she's going to smack you across the face right after when she's able to, that would be a situation that you'd be allowed to visit her. Let's talk about a different point. A pregnant Aisha's coin, right? So Mrs. Cohn is expecting. Mazel tov, Could she go to the Levaya? Happens all the time. Especially you'll get the call when people don't know that she's pregnant. So she doesn't want to say, oh, I'm, uh, you know, I can't come because she's only in her first or second or third month and she's not showing yet. Then she'll ask the rabbi, uh, what do I do? They're going to expect me at the Levaya. They don't know I'm pregnant. I don't want people to know I'm pregnant. But I have to go because it's my friend, whatever. So the Shashach suggests that the, the Rukeach says that the Svek Sveka, Safik Nefel, Safik Ben Kayama, and Safik Zachar, Safik Nekeva, because the only a Zachar, only a baby that's a Zachar, I mean, even a fetus, of course, is Chayev in the Pasuk says, last week's Parsha. And more of Amartel, Hasik Doma, Ketanim, regarding Thomas Cohen, so only a, even a fetus, you can't take into a, even a fetus male Cohen, you can't take into a uh, funeral home. So we have a Svek Sveka, Safik Ben Kayama, Safik Nekeva. I'm sorry, Savik Nefel and Savik Nekev. Mogan Avram asks, wait a second, why do you have to come onto this Svek? Why do the Rokeh have to come onto this Svek Svek? You should have another Kula, an easier Kula. It's Tuma Balua. Anything that's uh, Balua, like if you have a swallowed ring in a cemetery, this ring doesn't become Tame. So that shouldn't, the baby that's swallowed up in his mother's womb should not become Tame. So Reb Chaim answers with an interesting Chiddush. He says, that the Isra of Tumas Konim is not an Isra to become Tameh. The Isra of Tumas Konim is to be, come close to Tumah, to be miscarried lemes. So even if technically, according to Hilchah's Tumah, it's Tumah Belua, and it won't become Tameh, but it will still be Asr for that fetus to go into an Ohala Mace, because he's still close to a Mace, and it'll still be Asr. And that's the Achiezer's Svara that the Isra to Eskana, we're going to use in another, in another one or two nafkaminas in a moment. But let's just finish off with this Svek Sveka. Nowadays, that you could have an ultrasound, you can't really rely on the Svek Sveka to say, oh, maybe it's a Safek Zachar, Safek Nekeva. No, just get an ultrasound and you know what it is. Just because you don't want to know, that doesn't mean we're going to allow, because you don't want to get an ultrasound, you don't want to ask the doctor what your baby is, that doesn't give you a heter, that it would be Matame him, if he's a him. Fine. If it's very early, you can't tell, correct. But it's pretty, but a few weeks in, they could, I don't know the numbers. Okay. There is an iser called Cherev Harehu Kechalal. That means that the scalpel or the sword that touches the mace, or that, that touches the mace, becomes like a mace itself. It's not even knocked down a level, it's like a mace itself. Tosis asks, Rechaim Konan Tosis asks, then every house has metal that that, uh, one second. Right, that means that the metal itself is a, is like a mace. If that's the case, then every house has some metal in it, and every, every house is going to have this uh, metal in it that's going to make Kohanim not allowed to go into that house. So why is it going to be mutter for Kohanim to go into any house that has a metal that wants to touch the, a, a, a mace? So with the Achieza, we mentioned a moment ago, it's true that they might become Tameh, but that's not a problem, because the Isra of a Kohen is not to become Tameh, but to be Miskarevel HaMais. 
And for a coin to walk into a house where there's a scalpel that touched a mace, that's not come, called becoming karov to a mace. Fine. Another application. A third application that we'll get to in a moment, but I'll just say it now because it's the same sugya, is Rushefta's kula when it comes to fly, a coin flying over a cemetery. Even if you say the Mihilcha's tumah, it's tumah tzutzah and it flies up to Shemayim, but for a kohen, yes, it's tumah, but it's not the violation of a kohen becoming tummy, because the issue of a kohen becoming tummy is not to become tummy, it's to be in a sky of And if you're flying 4,000, 2,500 feet above a cemetery, or 10,000 feet above a cemetery, that's not called being miscarried to a, uh, to a maze. Let's talk about driving and traveling. So could a dry car drive over a cemetery, on a, go over, on a road that drives over a cemetery? Even if there's a highway that goes, not, not just like in, in, in Europe, in Poland, uh, the floors are literally the Jewish bodies dead, buried underneath. I'll tell you a frightening story, even though I don't have time. My father and my father was a Kohen. We went on a trip to Poland this past summer. This past summer, went to Poland for a family trip. I went to Warsaw, and they brought us to the place where the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising ended. Um, and we're wandering inside, and the non-religious but Jewish Polish tour guide told us, okay, this is what we're going to look at, and this is where the resistance, uh, last, this was their last stand, and this is where they committed suicide, they bombed themselves, and right, right below us is the house that they, that they killed themselves. And my father-in-law and brother-in-law jumped up and they said, oh my gosh, we didn't realize that they ran to the street so that they wouldn't be in that area where that monument was, because there are Jewish bodies underground. Listen to this. The Polish, a Jewish guy, you know, he's not anti-religious, he just, just grew up in Poland without any Torah or anything. He says, I don't understand. If you're coming to Poland, you have to realize that there are going to be Jewish bodies everywhere you go. How could you come to Poland? If you made a decision to come to Poland, how, why, are you, why, why are you running out of here? There are probably Jewish bodies all over the floor here. Pretty frightening. I always heard the phrase that, that Poland is full of uh, Jewish bodies, but I didn't realize that it was literal. He meant it literally. Okay, so are you allowed to drive in Poland, meaning on a regular road, the road could just be right through a Polish cemetery, right through a Jewish cemetery, or if you have like a, one of the skyway that goes over something, so he drives over a highway, well, you have a problem there. So a car is not going to protect you from Tuma because it's not going to block you from the Tuma below it because it's, it will have a den of an Ohel Zarek, and Ohel Zarek is Lav Shmei Ohel. Secondly, even if you assume that Ohel Zarek is Shmei Ohel, the car is metal, and a metal, something that itself is mechalotum, it can't be chotzeis b'fneatumah. So, that's going to be an issue. What about an airplane? An airplane is the fact that you're flying over the kever. So is an airplane made out of metal, meaning airplanes are made out of aluminum. They have to be lighter than a regular car. I don't know what we make cars out of, but planes are made out of aluminum. And aluminum might not be metal. What do I mean by that? Because the Torah lists only six metals, and aluminum is not one of them, because aluminum is more recent. And therefore, the Quran suggests that only these six metals that the Torah specifies metal, and therefore aluminum is not metal. If aluminum is not metal, then aluminum is not mekabal tumah. And if it's not mekabal tumah, then it can be chotzeis pifnei hatumah. So if we assume that aluminum is not metal, and metal is, not, and therefore it's not if it's not metal, and if it's not metal, it could be chotzeh from the tumah, it will be mafsik from the tumah below. 
However, there are others who argue on the guts. Frasisrael says that if it's metallic, it's ductile and it's malleable, it has all the other properties of metal, then it is a din of metal, and therefore it would be makabal tumah, and therefore it would be a problem. We mentioned above, before, the other svarah of the that would permit, and Roshachta holds like this, that would permit flying over a cemetery for the other reason that it's not, even though it is tumah, it's not going to be niskari tumah. What about, we'll finish with this, we'll finish the shoe with this, what about a dead Jewish body in the cargo hold? So let's have a solu- let's think of a solution. Why don't you take a box that's plastic or silicone that's not makabal tumah, and that box will be, we'll have a tefach of airspace, so it we'll, won't be tumah ritzutza, and we'll be chodzit b'pneat tumah. And there won't be any tumah in the passenger section above the cargo hold. So that's the suggestion. Does that work or not? Let's talk. Number one, it's a problem because maybe the box, this, it's not the coffin, it's a, co- it's a box around the coffin, maybe the box isn't a whole zark. Why? Because it's flying through the air, and therefore it's not chodzit b'pneat tumah. But some argue that no, maybe it shouldn't be considered a whole zark, because who are we comparing it to? The guy sitting in the seat above, above the cargo hold, and he's relative, he's stationary, he's flying, and the dead body is flying, but relative to another, they're stationary relative to another. So maybe that should not be called an Ohel Zarek. But that's not so Pashat, because so so the Ohel is flying through the air. Maybe it doesn't have it in Ohel, it might still be an Ohel Zarek. Why do I care that the coin happens to be still? That's not a point. Others say that. What's holding this silicon, not Mechabotumah box, this plastic box up? Well, what's holding it up is a plane. A plane is Mechabotumah. Even if you say that the aluminum sheeting of the plane is not Mechabotumah, but the screws that hold the sheeting together are steel, are, 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 are iron, are steel probably, that is Maimid. What's holding the plane up is a Mechabotumah. So even though the box is not Mechabotumah, it's a Maimid with Mechabotumah. And therefore, the Maimid will be considered... Uh, the, will we'll make the, the, uh, that the, co- the, the Kohanim on top will also have a problem. So therefore, it's best for Kohanim to fly from Newark or fly on where they, don't, where they presumably don't uh, send Mason or to fly on airlines that don't carry Mason. So as Hashem, we will, uh, what I'll have to do is for the, for the remaining three shurim that I didn't do, which is Rabbi Simon's Shion International Dateline, Rabbi Savlovsky's Shion Mikvaos, Hilchas um, Shechita, thank you. I'm not going to review Mechir Shchans because I gave it the first time, so I'm not going to be more, I gave it, so it's clear. Uh, meaning I gave it in a way that uh, it would be separated and hopefully whatever. Uh, so those three shurim, I'll try to take a, I'll, I'll record myself and I'll send it out on a uh, recording, I'll send you the recording on the, the Chazar for those three shurim. Okay, thank you so much for joining us. And tomorrow... Oh, Braindeth also. Right, no, Braindeth is part of it. I'm sorry, Braindeth also I'll have to do. Uh, so, Be'ez Hashem, next Thursday at 1 p.m., we'll have the Bechina here. Hope you can all make it.